Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Class is in session, and today, this episode, we're going to try something a little new. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university for the first in the Games We Never Got series, creator of the Super Deluxe Gamecast network of content, champion of the internet, and intimidating friendly giant from the Wild Arms episode, Mr. John Phipps. How's it going, John? You know, here's the thing about that, right? Like You are intimidating. Uh, everybody, you're very nice, but you are intimidating. <laughs> everybody I, constantly says, "John, you are extreme. You you are extremely intimidating in person." And I'm like, "I'm actually a sweetheart, though." Oh, you are. Like once you actually like get up the nerve to like or the courage to co up and talk to you, you are. You are incredibly nice. You are one of the nicest and most genuine people I know on the internet. And you always stand up for the little guy or girl or and what have you. You are fantastic. It's just that walk over to you. That's a little. Uh, that's a little you need some liquid courage i is speak, it, what is it what is it my face like is it you just a combination it, it, of things no like, i think it's just a mix of like you you're built like a truck like i had you on wild arms because you have giant arms i know you have this conversation <laughs> this back and forth with uh paris about arms and everything it just he's, fed. He, he's 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 got pasta arms he's got noodle <laughs> arms yeah so it's like, you know, it's, you, but no. you know, it's, you, you, you know, it's funny about that. It's, um, uh, I, I contributed a, a few dollars to get, uh, Belinda Garcia a few years ago, a switch. Mm -hmm. Um, and she sent me a thank you note in the mail. And the first thing in the thank you note was, John, you have any idea how intimidating you are in person? And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> once you, once uh, you get to talk to you, it's fantastic. But I remember, yeah, sure. uh, seeing you. From across the room at uh, PAX East, back when there were PAXs in the hotel bar during one of the nights of gratuitous drinking, as PAX has. Um, and after a few drinks, I was like, I'm going to walk up and say hi, because I'm courageous now. And I said hi. Uh, and I For called... who sees... Yeah. I, you know, go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. No, and I uh, walked up and called you, uh, how's it going, Fipster? And you said, never call me that again. And um, from there, it was, it was fantastic. I was, I, I was joking, dude. <laughs> no, if you see me, if you see me at a con, please come up and say hi. I am eminently approachable. I, I promise. Agreed, agreed. But how's it going? What's what's new? Uh, well, um, you know, I'm. It's uh, we're winding down 2021, and I am still waiting for the pixel remasters on console. I'm still waiting for Final Fantasy VI pixel remaster. Period. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, but, uh, and I'm going to have that analog pocket in my hands on Wednesday. So. I know I'm still waiting for my ship shipment notification. Well, I, well, I guess by the time everybody listens to this, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll have it. Here's um, hoping. So fingers crossed. Yeah. It's supposed to get here on Wednesday. So fingers crossed. We both will. That is the yeah. plan. Um, but yes, we are, you are joining me because you are, if anyone knows you, uh, they will probably know that you love especially Square Enix or Square's 16-bit generation of games, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, what have you. Um, so we, we've been talking a little bit just back and forth and about the games that we haven't gotten from Square around this generation. So in this episode, we are going to be kind of talking about uh, whether our love or what we want to see and hopes for uh, an official localization at some point of Live a Live, Bahamut Lagoon, and Front Mission 2. That's kind of the format. We're just going to talk about these games and our hopes that we will eventually get them. But yeah, so we'll start with Live a Live, I suppose. Now, John, this is probably one of the games that I have the least exposure to. Like, I've, I know a bit about it, but like, have you played Live a Live? Or like, what interests you about it? Okay, so I have actually played Live a Live, uh, uh, a translated copy, mm -hmm. um, uh, all the way through. 
Um, and uh, essentially, well, so if you're not familiar with Live Live, uh, it was a very quirky um, JRPG released by Square, but Square Soft back in the day before they were Square Enix for the Super Famicom. Uh, and I believe it came out in 1994. Yep. And this was September one of the... 2nd of 1994. Yeah, yeah. And and this was one of the first truly experimental games that Square had produced uh, at, at that time, at least. Like, you know, you got to remember, it was only 1994. Um but at the same time, you know, you have to remember up until then, you know, you've got, you know, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, Final Fantasy 1, you know, Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, uh, Final Fantasy 6 did not come out until later that year, I believe. Yep. Um, Correct. And so, and so uh, yeah, like this was, um, this was Square's first really outside of the box JRPG and essentially what it is and what I mean by that is mm -hmm. um, it wasn't your standard four or five protagonists on one side and a bunch of enemies on the other side and 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 you know that's it right this was a this is an RPG in which the player takes on the role of eight different protagonist eight different protagonists across nine I think it was nine scenarios um, now each one of these narrative each one of these stories are different right like you've got a um, You've got a, you know, you've got uh, a cowboy, a caveman, a martial arts expert, a ninja, a, um, a, a robot. Um, There's a, a robot. wrestler. Uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, King of Demons, uh, uh, Orsted, 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 I think is his name. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but the battle system, which is turn based and it's the same across every scenario. Uh, it was. It features the uh, the player and sometimes a party fighting all their enemies on a seven by seven grid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, characters are able to move and perform actions like you know attacking and you know using skills like uh, uh, you know essentially like you know magical skills. Um, and some of these like you can use them limitless. Like like there's not there wasn't like a you know like a an MP meter or a you know AP meter. Mm -hmm. Uh, but some of these moves could take several turns to actually charge. So there was a strategic element behind this. Um, uh, it did run on a standard experience point system. Uh, and uh, But some of the character progression in other scenarios was locked behind, uh, you know, uh, you know, story scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so so essentially you're playing as eight different characters across different time time periods, right? And after you, and there's a final chapter, which is the ninth, I believe. I can't remember if it's eight or nine scenarios, but there is a final chapter uh, in which all of the characters you played as before um, uh, get pulled into a single timeline, and you choose which of those characters to actually play as, and then you fight the final boss, and then everybody goes back to their own time period. So it's actually, you know what? It's a little, um, it's almost like a precursor story-wise to Octopath Traveler. In the sense that you've got yeah, the, it's now it's it, well the difference like, like well there's a big difference right like like on Octopath Traveler your party is ostensibly together the entire game right like they just don't have a lot of interaction with each other um, in this there you've still got you know you've got the same amount of characters uh, as an Octopath Traveler and you're playing across different stories um, the difference being that the, these characters are all in different time periods right and so they don't ever really interact with each other. Um, however, the concept is still the same, right? You've got a party of eight mm -hmm. characters that don't that have no interaction with each other really until they're all brought together for a final confrontation against the final boss. Um, also, kind of reminds me of um, Dragon Quest Four. Or was a little it, bit, or yeah, was it five? Little, uh, no, no, it was four. Oh, you're right, four, four. That the was chapters. Um, uh, chapters of the Chosen. Yep. Right. Uh, and. Um, I'll tell you what, this is one of those games that really, really, really deserves a localization and maybe like a touch up visually. Like it's um, so so visually, it's not as it's not as beautiful as like, you know, say Final Fantasy six or Chrono Trigger. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is one of the. I don't, it's not ugly for sure. It is not an ugly game. It kind of has uh, a Lufia style to me. Like I get Lufia it, vibes. There, there definitely is, is especially kind from of a, combat. There definitely is kind of a Lufia thing happening there. Um, uh, you know, not ugly at all, mm -hmm. but 
your your mileage may vary on whether or not this game you find this game visually appealing. What I will say is that it it, it, it was groundbreaking for its time um, because of the way it handled you know party mechanics, because of the way it handled the narrative and the different characters. Um, I consider I consider this to be Square's first real outside of the box game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, something that wasn't uh, a real-time strategy game or a standard box, standard, you know, turn-based uh, RPG. This was something that broke the mold. And I feel like it's, I feel like this, because it's, a, and, it, and the, the end result was great. And I, and, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is what gave Square the confidence to to break out and try other games like, you know, uh, Bahamut Lagoon, which we'll talk about in a second, or, uh, you know, Chrono Trigger, or, um, you know, a, a, you know, a Vagrant Story, or you know, like Final Fantasy Tactics, other games that uh, were were not mm-hmm. your standard JRPG stuff. Um, and I, I, you know, actually, I think the reason uh, the reason that this never came, the reason that this never came west, I think, was because they were afraid that uh, American gamers would find the visuals uh, ugly compared to other games in the time, which when you look at the game, it's not an ugly game. I I, I will never understand that as mm-hmm. as, be, be, as being the reason for it not getting localized. I feel like what makes more sense in terms of maybe why this one got passed over for a localization, it's like because at the same time they were dealing with localizing and bringing out Final Fantasy VI and being an established brand over even over here in the West... I feel like they knew that Final Fantasy 3 or 6, 3, what have you, would sell more as opposed to this new series that's kind of, like you said, kind of wacky and novel and does a lot of unique things for the same time period. Because, I mean, back then, RPGs weren't as big as they are today. Not anywhere near. Yeah. And they were far more niche. So it was like, do we localize Live a Live or Final Fantasy 6? I, I feel like between those two choices, it's a it's a clear winner to localize Final Fantasy. But yeah. So well, and, and you know, I, I do want to point out the music in this game is some, is some of the Famicom era's best, or the Super Famicom. And this was actually the first major JRPG composition by Yoko Shimomura, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, is now considered to be one of the greatest composer, one of the greatest Japanese composers uh, in the entire industry. Um, uh, this was her first. It was her first. I, I know it was her first major uh, RPG work, and it was her first job uh, with Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is really what brought Yokoshima Mora into her own. Um, and uh, I, I I know that uh, Noble Yuamatsu uh, had a little bit of input, but this was almost all Shimomura essentially, uh, and she knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know what's wild is, do you remember last year? I think it was last year when we found out that we were get, like, you know, like the trademark for the trademark for Live a Live was renewed. Yeah. We got that 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 like anniversary concert, and everybody mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, are, are we getting a localization?" Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be just a fucking concert <laughs> that 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 an old concert. Like, and, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Square like, master of the cock teases. That, that is the most. Square Enix thing you yeah. could possibly do. <laughs> oh yeah, hands down. I, now, I, I will say this though: um, have you have you actually had hands on time with the game? Yes, I played a little bit of it, and it was it's it's almost it almost felt to me like a Square attempt at a Earthbound like game, whereas it does do it strangely it's not as wacky and zany as earthbound or mother game but it it has that okay we're traveling through time you're a bunch of kind of interesting characters you have kind of the the play on words like with the western era having the child billy and whatnot instead of billy the kid um and it it just kind of gave me those vibes um i spent maybe a couple hours with it so not tons uh but I was impressed. I mean, I think this is 
by far one of the golden ages. Like the golden age of Square, in my opinion, was the 16-bit into PlayStation One era. Like, I would, that, I would, I would have to agree with you. That was there's just so many bangers in so many different styles, and it made me wish that I had gotten it. I, we had gotten Live a Live back then, but at the same time, I don't know if I would have appreciated it back then. I, I am really holding out hope for that 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 this one gets a port, yeah. um, or not a port, but a localization, uh, because it is it is, you know, like I'm actually looking at video of it right now, mm. and I can't believe because I decided to pull it up because I was like I don't yeah. remember this game being ugly at all, and I'm looking at it right now and it's not. So I, I just you know guys, bring, this is one of those games that really deserves another chance. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's do it man like i i I, if nothing else i would recommend that you get yourself a translated uh uh you know super nintendo cart which are are easily obtainable Mm -hmm. um they're not very expensive uh and if you haven't like give this a shot it is so unique and it's so interesting to see it's so interesting to see a a developer in 1994 um innovate like this it, mm-hmm. it's i mean this is this was different than almost anything we had seen at that time uh and and uh, you know it is so cool to see a lot of the D, like you know all the dna mm-hmm. seeing releases now like like come from games like this like like you'll oh, see yeah. a lot of inspiration in current gentiles that come from games like this and it's just so it's so cool play this play this game and please square localize this game it's beyond time beyond this, time yeah this game screams for a kind of remastered version like they did with romancing saga like the yeah i'd rem- be all over romancing that. saga games i feel like kind of the visuals and everything it's it's similar i feel like that you can easily just, touch this up did you did, did you play the romancing saga remasters yeah did yeah. you play them all the way through um i did not play them all the way through no okay um, it, I, I feel like those games definitely benefited from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I 100% agree with you. This is That's exactly what this needs. Um, and I think it would do well. I think there's been such a wonderful resurgence of those old games. I mean, we saw Moon release. That was a game that had never previously been localized. We've gotten the Romancing Saga re-releases um, in, in all the collections and whatnot. I mean, we got Secret of, or the Trails of Mana um second Tetsu 3 that finally got localized and honestly if that could eventually one day get localized anything can in my opinion um, yeah i'm so glad they localized trials of mana oh i know <laughs> it's so good it was very very good and like i loved both versions the original 2d version and the 3d remake i was i was impressed yeah. with minus the weird recording issues but that was also done during the right. pandemic so forgivable um but yeah, live a live a you definitely a quirky, unique test case um, from Square back in the early '90s. It's it's a time capsule to be sure. Now, do you think we'll do you think we'll ever get a localization of uh, live a live? Yes, I, I think th- so. I th- I think we will get a localization very similar to what they did with Romance and Saga. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I feel like those are the games like I feel like this is one of those games that could show up at like a Nintendo Direct completely out of the blue and it's like available now. I, I could see that. I'd love that. I'd love that. Um it, it I think because it this is just one of those games that the diehard people would be like would drum up such a big hoopla online that it happened which would pull more people in and it would just be like yeah, let's do it. Like they did. Granted, it was not the best game, but how they did Act Razor. Um, right. I think they did the romancing, at least one of the romancing sagas like that, where it's like, eh, here, we're doing this, and it's released today. Like a shadow drop. But do you think we'll get one? I... Or do you think we'll get uh, this localized? I hope so. I am a little. Normally, I would say if Ro- if Romancing Saga two and three can get updated uh, localizations, then literally anything can. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like we also haven't gotten localizations of other games that would at this point be incredibly easy, like like Terra Nigma. Like there's mm-hmm. already an English version of it; it just wasn't released in in America. Um, 
uh, it came out in Europe. It just that is a weird here. one. It, yeah, and so uh, like you know, and that is a, and that is owned by Square Enix now because of the merger. Um, so, you know, when you got really easy, obvious ones like that, like it makes me feel a little less optimistic about games like Live Live, to be perfectly frank. Mm-hmm. But then again, we got Romancing Saga two and three, which yeah. is like okay. <laughs> so, you never know. You never know. Uh, the game I put the most time in next and probably out of our three today, I would most love an actual localization or kind of a enhanced remaster Bahamut Lagoon. Oh, Bahamut I love this Lagoon. game. So do I. So for those of you who haven't played this, this is a tech like a grid based tactical RPG but when you go into combat it's a turn based style so you select your attacks your magic everything happens on a battlefield 2D battlefield very good absolutely gorgeous sprites arguably some of my favorite probably my favorite sprites from a square game uh and probably uh that in Final Fantasy 6 uh, is up there but absolutely gorgeous and it's just got a crap ton of dragons that you raise and evolve and do all sorts of cool things with. And it's fantastic. So <coughs> I actually um, actually have a translated copy on uh, Super Nintendo. I as do I. And, um, you know, it, it I'm using it uses the uh, the DJAP tomato uh, translation. Um, I try to get the near translation, uh, but it just doesn't fit on the cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while looking up near, um, you know, it, it's worth noting that near worked tirelessly for, I mean, years and years and years and years and years to give Bahamut Lagoon a you know, like, you know, the translation that it deserved. And they um, quite sadly lost their battle with uh, with anxiety last year or earlier this year, I believe. Um, and uh, I just wanted to say uh, rest in peace near. Um, I was a big fan of theirs, and uh, they will be missed. Yeah. Um, in fact, on my latest uh, playthrough of Bahamut Lagoon, I named my uh, main character Nier. Um, but uh, here's the interesting thing about Bahamut Lagoon: Did you know that this was originally Final Fantasy Tactics? I did not know that. It is. This was originally meant to be. This was when they started development. This was called Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and obviously that didn't pan out. It changed. Um, but what's, what's fascinating to me is that a lot of the monster models, a lot of the enemy models that you see throughout the game are actually taken ripped right out of final fantasy six. Um, and it is also, if you've never played it, one of the most gorgeous super Nintendo games. Um, you know, it was, and it's so cool. I, one of my favorite things about this game is the like it is for something that came out in 1996 i want to say it came out because it was one of the last famicom games right february 9th 1995 is when bahamut lagoon released 95 okay and then the playstation came out in 96 um so, so all right yeah so this was one of the last major uh famicom games uh from from squaresoft and there was a level of detail and and you know tactical maneuvering that you didn't see in uh, real-time strategy games or um, at the time like for example uh, you could cast ice magic to freeze water so units could walk across it Um, if you cast fire magic onto grassy areas the grass would burn and apply damage over time to enemies who were in one of those burning panels and if you actually fought a close suck at breath of the wild what I, I know, right? I said suck and, at Breath of the Wild. I, I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> and and if you actually if you engage one of those units and and transition to one that more traditional, like, you know, two D JRPG battle, mm-hmm. um, you like that would re- like you would like the screen would be red, like you would actually be fighting in a burning field. Um and it, it it's such a it it is it is such a cool I, like the level of attention to detail in 1995 was just awesome. Um, and yeah, and it's a long too, man. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's a, that's a lengthy game. Um, 
it's the story's got a lot of cool twists and turns. Uh, the script is weird. Um, for as deep as the subject matter is, and I know like some of these are just quirks of the of the you know like you know the the older you know tomato translation. Um, but uh, it, it borderline plays on being a comedy at times. Mm-hmm. Like like with the way some of the characters are portrayed, right? Like um, like uh 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 Madelite or um or Rush, like there's they're very goofy and over exaggerated, and uh, y- yeah, it, it's but it's it's just such a cool experience. Um, this is another one. Uh, this is another one, dude. That I. I don't I I don't understand why this has not been localized. I just don't. Yeah. This is one of those games where I have less hope. I believe there's a higher likelihood that we'll get Live a Live before we would get an official localization of Bahama Lagoon. Much as Interesting. I why wish, is that? I don't know. It's just I feel like Live a Live has more of like a charm or quirk to it that would set it apart for um to like get people to come play it than Bahamut Lagoon does. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Bahamut Lagoon <laughs> is more marketable to a Western audience than Live Live is. Simply because, you know, it's it's more of it's more of what Western gamers expect to see from, you know, mid nineties mm-hmm. era Square. You know, That's it's true. um, it's got elements of you know, I mean, obviously it's a you know, it's a strategy, it's a turn based strategy game, but it's also got you know, like you know, turn based JRPG elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those games where, like, for example, you know, Trials of Mana was a no-brainer of a localization in my opinion simply because you know it is uh, there's there's uh, a, a there's a demand for those kind of games and they are like western audiences know exactly what they're getting right they, mm-hmm. that trials of mana was one of those games that western audiences think of when they think of you know mid-90s era uh, Squaresoft games you know mm-hmm. it's like oh it's a beautiful pixely game and I run around and I, I whack enemies a lot um, you, you know, and uh, live a live is not that at all. Um, and I feel like the the gameplay elements and the story elements of live a live, while I found them very interesting and cool for the time, um, I'm not sure how they would resonate with today's audience. Um, I feel like today, I feel like gamers today would look at that, would play that, like guys like you and mm-hmm. me would appreciate the shit out of it. Um, but people with only a uh, tangential connection to that era of games, I think would say this is weird. It's obtuse, um, which which is yeah. you know what a lot of people thought when they saw you know the romancing saga games, um, which uh, you I was mm-hmm. st- still to say stunned that those got localized because they are so obtuse, right? Uh, and uh, you know, live a live is really no different. It's very good, but very experimental. Bahama Lagoon is more of what we all expect from Squaresoft of that era. And 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 so I that's one of those games that I feel like like I know there's an audience for this to get mm-hmm. localized. Um I just I think the I I think that the audience for Bahama Lagoon here is just bigger than what you would find for Live a Live. If, just, if that makes sense. No, I I get that. My only thing is like and maybe we'll get something next year, but I think the fact that Square held a special live stream and did stuff specific and like specifically for live a live and they have it for bahamut lagoon like even in final fantasy theatrism theatrism curtain call there was live a live soundtrack like there were two live a live tracks you could get in that that's right there were yeah good call there's they haven't done anything with like bahamut lagoon like you don't get like those little nods to Bahamut Lagoon. I feel like it's almost Square might view it as like almost too close to Final Fantasy without being a Final Fantasy. Where so you, like where they can't be like, "Oh, this is Bahamut Lagoon. It's our game we didn't release back then." Or 
with Live Live, this is our quirky game that's different from everything we've done. Like, I guess if they did maybe re-release Bahamut Lagoon, I could see them doing like adding the Final Fantasy moniker to it and then do Final Fantasy semicolon Bahamut Lagoon or something to it. It's like I feel like it's too close and they're like they have you mean sort of like what sort of like what they did with the saga series and calling it Final Fantasy Legends up until a certain point? Yeah. I can I can see that um, or or <sighs> this sounds cheesy, but like, you know, Bahama Lagoon, a Final Fantasy experience, yeah. <laughs> you know, like 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 I <sighs> um, final Final Fantasy Bahama Lagoon, a Final Fantasy like, story Bahama Lagoon. Yeah, like I just Square even today seems more interested in live a live than Bahama Lagoon. Is it, I think the cer- main. It certainly seems that way based on the based on the concert and the and the you know renewal of the um, of the uh, of the IP itself. Like mm-hmm. it certainly seems that way. It does. Um, I hope that's not the case. I I'd love to see uh, something done with it, but we'll see. I I want to say though that the I want to say that the that the license for that was renewed recently as well, though. I might be completely wrong and up my ass about that. Um, let me let me look real quick. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see anything about it. I, I could have sworn that I had. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I just I think it would do great. I just don't see I think out of all it the games from that era Bahama well what not only do I think it would do great I it's oh, yeah. it, it is the it is the it is the localization from that era that I want the most oh hands down I'm right there with like you. Yeah, dude I want this on my switch like I I there is no other game from this from that era that I need localized more mm-hmm. than Bahama Lagoon from like and you know I love the work that Nier did um but this deserves an actual no bullshit localization um, and maybe some quality of life updates, you know, a few extra a few extra bits here and there, just like Romancing Saga 2 and 3 mm-hmm. did. Um, imagine like if you just like, uh, you know, those sprites are already animated when you attack. But if you just add like a Romancing Saga remaster level of animation to some of those sprites, like just imagine it. Yeah. Like, oh, it would be so fucking good. And I. I, I agree. I don't think like at the end of the day, I don't think I don't personally don't think we're going to get localizations of any of this stuff, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Like I mm-hmm. I want it and and I, I I hope we get it. I'm not holding my breath over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do Bahama Lagoon uh, is the one that I want beyond all others. Same uh, right there with you, like from playing it because like, I've played the fan translation as well. I have a repro card uh, with the the tomato patch on it and it's like it's so good there's so much depth to it and like the comment you can do so many things I love this game and I would love to get a like officially localized version and for more people to experience it um but yeah maybe one day maybe one day uh next up the next game on our list to talk about today is Front Mission 2, another square tactical game, second in the mech tactical, like, build your bot RPG series in more like a gritty near future time. This was released on the PlayStation 1 in September 25th of 1997. Now, General, what's your kind of background with the Front Mission, Front Mission series? Front Mission 3 is one of my favorite PlayStation games. Um, I've actually got a copy, uh, a, a, an original PlayStation 1 copy that I'm going to replay on my PS1 and CRT TV after I'm done with Xenogears. I am so um, jealous, by the way. I saw your pictures today <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's 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 a beauty. Oh, that little corner isn't even done yet, man. Like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm putting old, I've got some old school 1994, 19, 1995 Nintendo Power and EGM posters I'm throwing up in there. Ooh. And uh, no, dude, that that corner is going to be it, that I, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I'm doing for that. Uh, I basically turned my closet into a little retro game corner. Very nice. Uh, very nice. And yeah, 
uh, and Front Mission 3 is next on my list after Xenogears. Um, uh, and of course, uh, Front Mission Gun Hazard, another game that was never localized, is one of my favorite uh, Super Nintendo games. Um, if you never played Gun Hazard, go play it. I've never heard um, of Gun Hazard. Really? Is that, oh, dude, you, is dude, that you the first I, one? No, dude, after this, you and I need to have a talk. Oh, oh, it's after like a this, metal slug or something? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It's a oh. side-scrolling Super Nintendo JRPG uh, in the front mission. Uh, are you? I assume you're looking at pictures I, I'm right looking now. At, I am at looking at pictures, yeah. What? It's actually fantastic. I have a translated copy, uh, and it is that I can play. I've, I've got a translated cart. And uh, you really need to get on that, man. I'm I'm stunned that you never heard of it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check this out. This looks really good. Great spread yeah. out. But uh, but yeah, so I actually never played Front Mission Two. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, never. The first never one I played was three. Yeah, the fr- yeah the first one I played was three, and then I played Gun Hazard, and I never played Front Mission Two. Um, I although I know. That it is incredibly well regarded mm-hmm. uh, by by the Front Mission uh, fan base. Fun fact: the original Front Mission released on the Super Famicom the same month as Bahamut Lagoon at the end of February. It was a banger. Really? Yeah, it was a banger. It's, February what, uh, back man, in nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah, this. Yeah, no, I, this are, were you? Go I'm ahead. sorry, I didn't mean nope, to cut you off. No, 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 you no, go. no, I was, nope. I, no. I was just going to ask you if you if, if you actually played Front Mission Two. I have not played Front Mission Two. I've played oh. the localization or not the localization fan patch of the first Front Mission. I played through that earlier era in the pandemic, um, and then uh, I dabbled a bit with Front Mission Three back when it came out, but it wasn't quite my. It wasn't quite. I was looking for at the time like I wasn't a big tactical RPG fan back then so I kind of bounced off of it I went back and tried it uh, played a bit of it later on and and was a fan of it but I haven't sunk too much time into the front mission series as a whole outside of really the first one so the only so uh, front mission 3 again one of my favorite PlayStation games uh, Gun Hazard one of my favorite um, Super Nintendo games and front mission uh, I've played a translated copy of Front Mission for, you know, the Famicom, and it's also one of my favorite Famicom games. I feel like Front Mission kind of quality-wise really started declining after Front Mission 3 mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I played Front Mission Evolved, didn't like it. Uh, played Front Mission 5, didn't like it. And then, of course, we all know about Left Alive, um, which I hate even bringing that up. Um, that was... The pe- uh, I wasted... 40 bucks on that. Derek and I uh, streamed it uh, a couple years ago for Extra Life because we knew it was bad and we were streaming bad games. Yeah, yeah, you and, did. And uh, it, it was, it's, I'm, I'm still, that one still hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is what, so apparently Front Mission 2 was never localized because of the presence of situations and vocabulary which would be considered quote unquote faux pas in North America. Um, I have no idea what that means. Now I am intensely curious, though, because it was a a, a financial and critical su- success in Japan. It was the uh, it sold uh, over five hundred thousand copies um, in nineteen ninety seven, and um, yeah, it, and it also it says here the game was re released uh, alongside Front Mission and Front Mission Three as part of the Front Mission History compilation. Um, this version included a quick battle option that allows players to progress through the game story to faster place. I want the Front Mission History compilation, guys. Give us yeah. the Front Mission History compilation, like please. Um, but dude, the game was very well reviewed and very well received. So, you know, I, I feel like of all the games here, this is an, this is the one that honestly you could re-release the easiest, simply because like whatever these faux pas situations are, like just write them out change the dialogue like I, I i mean i you know like i remember when i remember the days back in the mid 90s when they like for example you know had to you know ask their translators like ted woolsey to change the names from holy to pearl mm-hmm. you know because or they didn't white. want to use the word or white because they didn't want to use the word holy because they didn't want to offend americans who like were like you know i don't fucking care 
and uh and so i i i i don't know if those are like the social situations and vocabulary which would be considered faux pas but mm-hmm. like what was considered faux pas by square in the mid 90s is is much much different now the world um, is much much different <laughs> the world is much much different exactly that's a better way to put it and uh, you know yeah like i you know these game you know game you know square games uh you know deal with dark subject matter now and i feel like you know if that's the reason that this game wasn't localized that this very successful and well-received game wasn't localized um it makes sense to it would make sense to me anyway to kind of take another look at that Mm -hmm. uh simply because um front mission 3 is held in such high regard by fans of the playstation era um and and plus like when you talk about all these games like you know live a live and bahama lagoon and front mission 2 there is a there is a phenomenon happening right now that i call the switch effect and the switch effect is anything that releases on switch sells a boatload of fucking copies oh yeah um so i i I feel like if you are going to if you are going to re-release these things um, you know, in like you know, the the mere presence of the Switch should encourage you to to start localizing some of these older games because that is the audience. I'm telling you right now, the the the, core, the Switch audience are the ones who are going to buy these games the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they will sell. They will sell. And I have I've got a little bit of hope. Uh, for I've actually got a little bit of hope for Front Mission Two simply because one Square is starting to it would appear take a closer look at their PlayStation catalog, like, you know, Legend of Mana and Saga Frontier. And we already know Saga Frontier 2 is getting a port. Um, You know, it's a lot slower than I would wish for. And it's not really targeting the games I was hoping Mm -hmm. they would. Uh, But if, but, but again, like I, I don't think a port of, or a localization anyway, of Front Mission 2 is outside of the realm of possibility here. Um, and uh like guys put it on put it on switch and it'll sell put any of these on switch yeah and they will sell um it, you know but then again we're talking about a developer that launched the pixel remasters on mobile and pc and not console so yeah. you know uh, anything goes <laughs> i guess but it's true but um it's it's interesting kind of looking back at like the three games that we talked about today three wonderful games that critically acclaimed in Japan and everything didn't get released in the West. They're all tactics RPGs. Yeah, it sure is. And, um, you know, well, I mean, and especially now, like, you know, with the, this is going to sound weird, but, you know, board games have grown in popularity exponentially over the past mm-hmm. decade. Um, and some of those popular board games are strategy games. Um, and there's a big there's a big strategy game boom we're happening right now with games like XCOM and, uh, you know, Midnight Suns is coming. Uh, Triangle Strategy. I hate that name, yep. but I'm very excited for the game. Um, uh, you know, uh, Shadowgate came back. Um, you know, Disco Elysium. Uh, not quite the same, but still yeah. kind of in that vein. Well, all the XCOM, um, like the massive success the XCOM right. series has had, Mario's and Rab- Mario and Rabbits. You have right, like Wasteland. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there is a there's definitely a market for these. Um, and all of these games, like even uh, I mean, Live a Live absolutely has a a, a, a turn based strategy element to it. Uh, and we're all talking that that applies to all three of these games. And I feel like. <sighs> I feel like it just, if you're going to port something, any one of these would make perfect sense, mm-hmm. which is exactly why Square Enix probably won't do it. <laughs> they don't like making easy money. They really do not. And I feel, I feel with these, you're, you're leaving some money on the table here. Like yeah. they're not going to set the world on fire for sales sales wise, but they'll sell well enough to make it worth your while for sure. Especially on switch. Yeah. And it will be just like, they'll get good press. Absolutely. Like, easy to do good press. Right. No. And, you know, I don't know. I I just. Square Enix, man. They're going to do do? Square Enix will Square Enix. They're going to do their Square Enix is going to do Square Enix things. It's like Atlas doing Atlas things with teasing 
Persona 4 coming to Switch, and it's the and it's fighting game. <laughs> it's like, you guys wanted uh, you guys wanted Persona 4 Golden on Switch. We've heard your cries. We're and giving we're you the fighting you arena. <laughs> and I know a lot of people love arena, but what a I'm sorry that they knew what they were doing. That was a dick move. Yeah, I got real excited for like five seconds. Yeah. Uh, and and then yeah. So other games that would greatly benefit from the switch effect, the switch boost. Uh, every Persona and SMT game ever. I was convinced that we were going to get, like for the 25th anniversary of Persona, mm-hmm. which they announced uh, this year, we were going to get ports of like you know Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment and you know persona 3 portable and uh, that just has not happened so i'm i'm anticipating that they will end the anniversary with some wallpapers oh yeah or those slap those old slap bracelets you know yeah we'll get some slap bracelets some wallpapers you know maybe we'll get a crossover with a mobile game yeah nice yeah. a nice new gotcha game that will last maybe exactly. a year it'll be great i can't yeah. wait for it yeah it'll be a great time a great time everyone will <laughs> love it i i'm I have no doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's so many games, uh, like these three need to be localized. And honestly, it is such a credit to the fan community that the only game I'm not sure about has like a full complete fan translation is Front Mission 2. I think it has like a quote unquote playable fan translation you can do, but Live a Live and Bahamut Lagoon both have wonderful, wonderful fan translations. They do. Um, they do. Um, and Live a Live is actually, I, I feel, um, a better translated. I, I think Live a Live, even for all the work that Nier did, has a better, more complete translation than Bahamut Lagoon, uh, than Bahamut Lagoon received for whatever reason. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, like you know, I, I mean, for the foreseeable future, you know, like you know, your your option is going to be able to is going to have to be to grab translated copies of these games and play them on their respective systems, um, you know, or or emulation, which sucks because you know, again, we're talking about you know you know games preservation here, and and uh, none of these companies are making it easy. Yeah. You know, we just want to play the games, man. Just give us the games, man. Give us the games, man. Give, give us the, the games. games. Um, but yes, we are not the only ones, though, that would love some games to make it over. So we are going around the web to see what games you would like to see get officially localized. We will start off with user Modblunt or Modblut from Reddit. Uh, and I completely agree with them. They say Tales of Rebirth hands down. It's almost criminal that it hasn't been localized yet since it's easily on par with the other Tales of Mothership titles. And I have a soft spot for Team Destiny Tales of games. Destiny 2, Eternia, Hearts, Rebirth, Graces. There's a great text-based spreadsheet fan translation, which is actually close to a professional localization, albeit just in text form. No patch exists, sadly. Obviously, no official localization either. It's just such an amazing game that feels like an amalgamation of what Team Destiny learned from their prior games, in the logical evolution from Eternia. Hands down, their magnum opus for 2D sprite-based Tales of games, with the best 2D Tales of battle system. 100%. I have an imported copy of Tales of Rebirth, and I've tried playing through it, and I just can't get through it because so much Japanese and I'm stupid American. Uh... But love the sprite work, Tales of Rebirth. The fact that we didn't get the PS2 version or the PSP port still hurts my soul. I uh, so the PS so so I won't say too much about this, but uh, excuse me, I got something caught in my throat. Um, the Tales franchise is not my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I don't have a whole lot of investment in this one, to be perfectly frank. No, that's fine. Uh, it's it's one of those games. Like I'm a huge Tales fan, um, and this is was one of the last. Like it makes me sad because we got kind of the nowhere near as good 3D t- Tales of Legendia, which is probably my least favorite or like my least liked Tales game. Instead of this really beautifully sprite based Tales game, and it always makes me upset. But um, but no, I agree. Mod Mod Blunt. Uh, Tales of Rebirth for sure. Uh, did you want to take the next one? 
Uh, sure. Let me let me pull that up here. Yeah, I can just post it. Oh yeah, there you go. That works. <laughs> All right. Uh, I underscore C underscore robots from Reddit says Shining Force scenario, Shining Force three scenario two and three, as well as the, the non-localized PSP Shining games. I know the diehard Shining Force fans hate the post Camelot entries, but I really enjoyed Shining Resonance Refrain. Sorry to hear that. It also came up a lot on the mediocre JRPGs that you enjoyed post the other day, so maybe there's an audience there for them as well. Uh, after all, so Shining Force Three hits uh, hard for me because I actually just got my hands on a, a on a uh, refurbished Sega Saturn, uh, and I have a copy of both uh, Dragon Force and Dragon Force Two, another game that was never localized. Um, and if you've never played the you know the Dragon Force games on Saturn, I don't blame you because they're hard to find, but they're excellent. Um, Shining Force 3 is one of those games that one is like $400 these days, which is ridiculous. And two, of course, Shining Force Scenario or Shining Force 3 Scenario 1 was only was the only scenario localized here. If you want to finish the story, you have to find translations of two and three. Uh, I would absolutely love that to happen. I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I think that dream is dead. That's one series I've always wanted to get into that I haven't gotten around to yet is Shining Force. Shining Force is great. Um, the the issue with Shining Force 3 is that Sega Saturn games are notoriously difficult to emulate, um, uh, which is the reason that you don't see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Sega Saturn ports. Like, you know, we've got Radiant Silver Gun and, Guard- and uh, Guardian Heroes mm-hmm. on Xbox Live. Um, and that that's really believe that's really it for Sega Saturn games um, because they are very hard to get running. Uh, and I, I don't I don't and given the middling quality and reaction to the Shining games uh, over the past decade, I just don't think the demand like combined with the fact that Saturn games are inherently very difficult to emulate on on anything else mm-hmm. uh, combined with the I, I just don't think the demand is there to justify the extreme amount of effort one one would have to put in, not just to just not just I mean to just port these games, let alone localize them. You know. Yeah. I always just felt like, granted, I I was I've even still to this day I'm not a fan of the the sound system of the Sega Genesis, which is part of why I think I bounced off some of the uh, earlier Shining Force games. The few times I've tried to play a little of them they just struck me as like sega's answer to fire emblem am i is that accurate or is that like Um, how dare you scrub it's clear no no so uh the shining force games are well they get they do have they do share they they share some things in common fire emblem one they're very anime bullshit Mm -hmm. Uh, um two and two of course there are strategy games where the shining force and Fire Emblem games differ is that the Shining Force games are a lot more lighthearted than Fire Emblem, like especially with Fire Emblem Three Three Houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game tackled some pretty heavy themes of you know betrayal. Um, the Shining Force games are uh, classic Camelot games. They're you know they're lighthearted. They're they're chibi. Um, at least you know you know like you know the overhead screen stuff is is chibi. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, like they're they have similarities but differences as well. The three like none of the Shining Force games are like super long. You can finish Shining Shining Force and Shining Force Two in like 10, 15 hours apiece. Whereas you know the Fire Emblem games are like eighty hour fucking you know <laughs> endurance marathons. Um, and plus the Fire Emblem games have uh, like the Shining Force games, uh, at least the core Shining Force games have no real social elements whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Whereas the you know the Fire Emblem games, you can get married, you can date, you can have tea parties. Um, you so there there's a whole social and army and castle building aspect to Fire Emblem, especially the more recent Fire Emblem games than there ever was in Shining Force. Yeah, well that's good. Uh, but yeah, one day that is that's my plan is to get around and and play the the old Shining Force games, but I do know of the, the struggle of the Shining Force 3, the two scenarios that were never localized, and that that makes me hurt for, for the fans. 
Next up, we have user Jaconbon from Reddit. They say, I'm still sad that Yokai Watch 3 was never localized. It looks like it had a more mature tone and a new battle system, and it's also a shame that Level 5 isn't really interested in localizing games anymore for the West. Truth. Truth. Yeah. Level 5. Ugh. Dark Cloud. Rogue Galaxy. Ooh, Dark Cloud. Dark, Dark, Dark Cloud was... I, to this day, still has one of my favorite openings in mm-hmm. any game. White Knight Chronicles. Still waiting more on more White Knight Chronicles. One day. One day. Uh, Want to take the next one? Speaking uh, as we were just talking about Fire Emblem. Sure. Um, uh, FK YOLO from Reddit says, Fire Emblem 4 through 6. Those are three very great games, especially 4. It surprises me that 6 and 7 are connected. Their main protagonists are Father and Son, but 7 as an official English version, while 6 is Japan exclusive. I've never played Fire Emblem 4 through 6, so I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I do love Fire Emblem, so I would love to bring them over. I would love to, for them to get brought over and, uh, and you know, be, and I feel like if you're going to do that now, or if you're going to do that now is the time since Fire Emblem with, you know, Three Houses sold incredibly well, mm-hmm. reviewed incredibly everybody loved it, and I feel like Fire Emblem has become one of Nintendo's premier RPG franchises. Um... So do it. Yeah. I feel like if you're gonna look, if Nintendo's gonna localize anything, it's got to be one of the Fire Emblem games that haven't that hasn't made it over. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. And Fire Emblem Six was the one like the sequel timeline-wise to the first Fire Emblem that we got. So it plays pretty much exactly as the other one does on Game Boy. Right. So with with Roy, Roy's our boy. Roy. Yeah. Our boy Roy. Our boy Roy. Uh, but yes, I agree. I would love to see the older Fire Emblems because honestly, I'm a much bigger fan of the older Fire Emblems. Like the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblems are two of my favorites. Like and up to GameCube. Past that, like Awakenings was fantastic. I loved Awakenings. Fates not as big of a fan of. Echoes was pretty good. Three Houses was cool. It deviated a little bit too much for me, but I still appreciate it for what it is. But like with. When it was Fire Emblem Warriors, I was so disappointed that they didn't have a lot of like the GBA, more of the GBA characters besides them. I know. It was, it was a bummer. Next up, we have Blue Mage Butts, excuse me, Bart from Reddit. They say the rest of the Metal Max games that haven't gotten a fan translation, including Metal Max 2 for the SNES, even though the DS version just got a fan translation. Also, I really wish the original Romancing Saga 2 and 3 got a complete patch. I appreciate what we have, but I want to play these games on the Super Nintendo. Oh, and the Metarot games. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things about this Metal Max series, like, the I've past year. I've never heard of it. But I don't know too much about it, but I know it's been really well received. Because of, uh, the most recent one was Metal Max Xeno that released. It's a... Let's see. Uh, Super Remake, uh, second title. It's a series of early example of open-ended, non-linear gameplay. They lack a predetermined story path, but the player is instead given a choice of what missions to follow in whichever order they want. Um, They have a vehicle system, so you collect various kinds of vehicles and then change their equipment and transform them. Each human character can drive vehicles... Um, like tanks and stuff. Hmm. I this is one of those one of those franchises that I have legit never heard of. So I'll have to do some research on this after the uh, after the podcast or the recording. It's like Battle Tanks RPG. Remember Battle Tanks on the old the old systems? Yeah, vaguely I do. It's I like, vaguely. Yeah, you customize like cars and vehicles, and then you drive around and have RPG fights in them. I'm waiting for somebody to suggest racing with them. Racing? <laughs> I see what you did there. No, no, that's a real game. Oh, it is? Yeah, Racing Lagoon is a Square and Eni- PlayStation Air Square Enix racing RPG. Oh, I'll have to check that one out too. Good stuff. And uh, go ahead and take on the last one, my friend. Okay, I, I can do that. Um, Hero Tex. Uh, it says Star Ocean 2 Second Evolution on PS4 
uh, they only released the Japanese version, so it's the only game of the saga that you can't play on your PS4 legally, and it's, in my opinion, the best one. That is a correct opinion. Yes. Uh, Star Ocean 2 is easily the best Star Ocean. Star Ocean 2 is an excellent, excellent game in a decidedly mediocre franchise. Um, Star Ocean is just not a great JRPG franchise. Star Ocean 2 is a great RPG. Um... And I'm sorry for all the Star Ocean fans out there, but that's just how I feel. I feel like um, post the PS2, I thought the PS2 one was pretty good. It was very anime. Um, mm-hmm. But I think after that, with four, five, and six, or four and five, yeah, I, just think, lost. I think there's five. Um, with the sixth one just re- announced, but. Yeah. Um, uh, but Star Ocean 2 Second Evolution is a. Um, here's the thing, though. Like. They they ported uh, Star Ocean one the the remake the PSP remake of Star Ocean one to you know Switch and other consoles port Star Ocean two it's a better yeah. game I feel like, like they were both announced at like the same time that they were doing that and we just two, never two got was the second so two was not announced to my knowledge it was just Star Ocean first departure um, and it's weird because Star Ocean two is a vastly improved game in every sense of the word. Um, or every sense of the phrase. Star Ocean 2 is a great, great JRPG. And I don't understand why you would port Star Ocean and not Star Ocean 2. I just don't. I can't wrap my head around that one. Yeah. Um, I have the PSP and original PlayStation 1 version of Star Ocean 2. Um, and it's and it's fantastic. But thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your thoughts and wishes for games to be localized. We really appreciate it. And down in the show notes, as always, you can find the links to the subreddit where you can share your own list of games that you hope one day gets officially localized. Now, for a lot of the games, or for the, most of the games we mentioned, Live a Live in Bahamut Lagoon as examples. Uh, well, the two games, really, that you can find fan translations for, you can get on probably my favorite, like... ROM modding and translation site is romhacking.net. I love this place for between randomizers, translation, bug fixes for so, so many games. You can probably find them on romhacking.net. And then you can, so you can rip your ROM image from your legally purchased cart and assign the patch and play them localized and uh, translated. It's great. So check out romhacking.net or if you want to save yourself some hassle and get them pre-patched you can find on Etsy or eBay reproduction cards like the one John and I have mentioned for both Live Live and Bahamut Lagoon. Can run you between 20 and 30 bucks, sometimes a bit more depending on scarcity but yeah, give them a shot and play them on original hardware. It's pretty sweet. Absolutely. It is pretty sweet. Now John I'm curious because we don't really have an enemy of the week, it's this is kind of a different episode. I want—I was curious. Do you have a like a fan translation or a fan mod or something that you particularly like that just like blew you away? Doesn't have to do I, necessarily with these games, just in general. What is? I I do I do not actually. Uh, I generally I do not play fan mods simply because I am a purist in the purest sense of the word, and. Um, I know that there are fan mods out there and unofficial sequels for games like Final Fantasy VI, which is my favorite game of all time. Uh, people constantly tell me, "John, you got to try this." Nope, no interest. Uh, I, 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 my, my greatest pleasure is to enjoy these games the way the developer intended me to. Any, any specific translation patches though you found that really impressed you? Uh, I'm just going to shout out Near because they did. They worked so hard yeah. in it for over a decade. Um, and did such a fantastic job. It was a uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, Bahamut Lagoon translation. Um, and they did all, so, so much work beyond just a translation to that. It is wonderful and my preferred way to play, to, to be perfectly honest. But that is going to do it for another episode. John, it's been so much fun just nerding out and uh, racking your brain and having this discussion with you tonight. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. No, of course. Of course. Uh, but where can people find you on the internet? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Oh, don't do that. You don't want to follow me. But yes, but you, do. If you do. If you do, if you do, uh, you can find me at GameDadJP on Twitter. You can also find, I would rather you go follow at OfficialSDGC, which is our podcast. Uh, we go live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash OfficialSDGC. Uh, and we we are a gaming podcast network focused on uh, mental well-being and inclusivity. Uh, so come check us out Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. We would definitely appreciate it. Definitely check them out. They do amazing stuff. And they're filled with amazing people. We've had Finn on. We've had Derek. We've had you on twice. Um, I got to get all of you on. I have to complete my bingo card. Got to get Brit on. Yeah, I do. It. it can't wait one day i'll figure out you'll have to feed me some <laughs> rpgs that she absolutely adores final um, fantasy 9 that's a good one that's a good one i yeah i don't know if she like i'm one of those that likes final fantasy 8 more than final fantasy 9 um but it's still a good game but i will i would be down to talk some final fantasy 9 with her but she'll talk about it all day <laughs> excellent excellent But thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, preferably iTunes, as I'd really appreciate. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share what RPGs you want to see get an official localization directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind and be kind to one another. I swear that gets harder to say each week. <laughs> Class dismissed.